Good morning, everyone. It's about time to begin our worship service this morning. Got just a couple things to cover before we enter our worship service. Remember, the kids are leaving February the 25th through the 27th for CYC. That's this weekend. Also, the elders have announced the upcoming appointment of two new deacons to serve here at Rome. They are Dickie Parker and Greg Solomon. If you have concern regarding these two brethren, please let us know by Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. We announced this a couple weeks ago and our last week, and let us know if, if you have some concerns about this. Also, don't forget the men's retreat on March 18th and 19th. This morning after services, we ask that you sit back. We have a couple things that we have to do for the state, and Casey Baker will be taking care of that. Take about three, four, five minutes. If, if you do that, we'd appreciate it. If you, I'd like to read before we start Matthew 6. 33 and 34, if you'd like to follow along. But seek, the, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day, its own trouble is its own trouble. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us. We're thankful for your son who came and died for us. We're thankful that we have this opportunity to worship you. We pray that the things we do in this worship service will be pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. We ask your blessings on our sick, that you watch over each and every one, be with Kristen. and We're thankful that Marvin's at home and bless him and continue to watch over Darren and, and be with Casey and Jennifer and their family. And Father, bless us as we have people with cancer that we pray that... Uh, The medicines can be developed and used and work to help each and every one. Go with us through this service. Be with Sai as he leads us in song and be with us as we surround thy table to remember our Savior Jesus as he died on the cross for us. Be with Chris as he presents us with a lesson. Forgive us in thy son's name we pray and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? Our first song this morning is number 531. 531. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
please be seated. Our next song is on the overhead only. It's the greatest commands. Greatest commands. Do alto, then the bass adds, then tenor, then the soprano, and we'll sing it again. After this, Mike Williams will have our scripture and prayer.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we approach you this morning, Lord, thanking you so much for, for being our God, Father. We are so blessed and thankful, Father, that, that you love us so much, that we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. We don't deserve it, Father, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, that was a living sacrifice for us, Father, to take away our sins and give us that hope of eternal life. Father, we're so thankful for your church here at Rome. We're thankful for each person that's here this morning, thankful that we can come together as, as believers to worship you, Father, and we just pray that we will worship you in a manner that pleases you, Father, and that individually each of us will, will do our part, that we'll clear our minds of worldly distractions and put our complete focus upon you this morning. And Father, we are aware of so many of our number that are dealing with different health issues, different struggles at this time, and, and Father, we're thankful that we have a God that we can, can come to you in prayer, that we know you hear our prayers, and we know that you love us. And Father, with this time, we just want to remember those that are dealing with cancer, Father, so many that are dealing with us with this awful disease, and just continue to, to be with Kristen and bless her and James at this time, and be with Danny Wheeler and, and Dottie Diamond, and be with Jennifer Baker, Father. We just ask your blessings upon her, Father, at this time. Be with Casey and their family, and we just pray for healing for her, Father, and just pray you be with the, the medical staff that will be developing a treatment plan for her. Give them the, the knowledge and the wisdom to, to develop the, the appropriate plan, and just bless them at this time. And Continue to be with others, Father. Be with Marvin as he continues to heal, and Sue as she has an upcoming eye surgery. Bless her, and be with Pam, Father, as she continues to heal from, from her fall, and and Dave as his upcoming uh, test that he has coming uh, this week and uh, next couple weeks. And Father, we just um, continue to pray for our shut-ins, Lord, at this time. It's, pray you will comfort and be with them and help us to do our part to encourage them as well and and father again we just thank you for for hearing our prayers and thank you for giving us this um, building that we can come and worship in in peace and comfort and and we just pray that you'll be with us uh, the rest of our service this morning just be with chris as he brings us the lesson and and uh, just watch over us father and pray that uh, he will forgive us, Father, as, as we uh, fall short and, and disappoint you, Lord. Just continue to be with us and watch over us. It's through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. The reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of, heifer, of a heifer sprinkling those who have been Defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. Our next song is number 950, 950, Lamb of God. Your only son looks into I know we have some visitors this morning. Is there anyone that needs a communion cup? I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
Will you pray with me, please? Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you, thanking you for the perfect gift of your Son. Father, we ask your blessing upon each of us as we partake of the bread which represents your Son's broken body. Father, forgive us when we sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our Father, we continue our thanks. We ask your blessing upon this cup. We ask your blessing upon each of us, Father, as we partake of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We also have uh, instruction to give back a portion in which we have been blessed. Uh, Paul, in his writing to the church, says this, On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save, as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we truly are so thankful for all that we have. Father, we know we are so blessed. We live in a, a great country, Father. We're free, and, and we have so much. Father, we're thankful also for the, the blessings that, that we can't put a dollar value on. Father, we, we, we thank you for that, and, and we ask your blessing, Father, upon uh, the elders as they will appropriate the funds. Father, we ask your blessing upon our community, and I pray that, that the, the funds can, can go out and, and help spread your word, Father. Watch over us and bless us throughout the rest of this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. you would, let's stand. We'll sing number 523, Our God, He is Alive. This time the children may go to the children's Bible hour.
be seated. Your song of invitation will be number 800, Zion's Call. When Kelly and I were in college, we went to New Zealand. It's my first overseas mission trip. I'll have to tell you this story sometime, but very quickly, uh, I wanted to tell you this about the How Great I Am song. Uh, when we were there, we uh, went up on top of a mountaintop, and it lo- overlooks the entire city of Wellington where we were working. And uh, the wind was so strong there, you could lean into it, and it would hold you up. Uh, it was just beautiful. There were windmills everywhere. There's houses and rolling hills. And we sang that song. And, and every time uh, we sing it now, I think about that and how majestic and beautiful and wonderful and praiseworthy heaven will be because that's what we're going to be doing while we're there. And so I am looking forward to, to that uh, as well as tonight. Our, our singing night is tonight. And so uh, we will spend the greater portion of our worship time tonight in song. So come back for that, and that will be a blessing to you, I am sure. We're in Hebrews chapter 9 today. Uh, we've taken a break from Hebrews over the last several weeks. Um, but, come on, can you guys hear me? Okay, good. Um, so we've taken a break from Hebrews over the last couple of weeks. But we're back now, back in Hebrews chapter 9. And Hebrews 9 and 10, uh, through the rest of the book, really, uh, is where some incredible teaching is found. Uh, you're going to be blessed by, by these words, I am sure. We're starting in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, today it's the passage Mike read for us uh, this morning. Let me catch you back up, though, to where we're at, since uh, the break sometimes has a, a little um, plays a little game with our mind and we forget where we've been. So in Hebrews chapter 8, we learn that God has done a new thing in Israel. Um, he has made a brand new covenant with his people. In fact, the old covenant, the Mosaical law, uh, he has he's cut it away. It's no longer in effect. And now we live under Jesus' covenant. And how much better that covenant is, is what the book of Hebrews is really about. See, this book is written to Hebrew people who have come to Christ. They've been baptized into Christ. And while their national is still Jewish, they are Christians. Their heart is Christians. They belong to Christ. They're part of the church. But they are being tempted and pulled back into Judaism just to relieve a little bit of the tension that has been theirs because they have come to Christ. Uh, Once in the first century that you joined the church, that you were baptized, that you were saved, especially if you were a Jewish person, your family ostracized you, your business dealings went, uh, went south. Uh, everything that you needed that you relied on everyone else to do to help you, your support system, was gone. Um, and so these Jewish Christians are feeling a tug back into Judaism just to relieve some of that stuff. Because the Jewish people at this point aren't all that persecuted. They're not on the outs with Rome. But the Christians are. Um, and the Christians are on the outs with the Jewish people as well. Jewish people kind of look at Christians like um, they are uh, the betrayers. You know, we would look at them as Benedict Arnold's um, or Judas's, to use a biblical analogy. And so uh, Jewish people and Christians, uh, the, the Jewish people don't like Christians, God's people. They don't like them. And so uh, 
our, our, our readers today are, are feeling a tug back into Judaism. And the Hebrew writer says, don't go. There's nothing down that road for you. While it may be physically safer here, we don't live for here, do we? We live for there. We live for heaven. We live for what's coming after here. And so he says, while it may be safer to go back into Judaism now in, in the flesh, it's actually a catastrophe to go back into Judaism because there's nothing to go back to. There's no, there's no religious system there now. God has canceled that. You can't get to God from Judaism now. It's kind of like getting to Tennessee from here. You can't do it. <laughs> when we first moved up here, we are like, okay, we were looking at the map. I'm, I'm from Middle Tennessee for you guys that don't know. So we were like, how, how are we going to get back to Middle Tennessee? Well, you can't do it from here. You've got to go into Huntington and travel through Ashland for some reason. and You can't get there from here. And so that's, that's what the Hebrew writer is saying. You can't get to God from Judaism anymore. It's not possible. It's not just that it's unlikely. It's not just that it's hard. You can't do it because he's canceled. He shut the, he shut the bridge. It's gone. He, he cut it off. There's a downed bridge there now. There's no connection to God through Judaism anymore. And so you are forced, if you're a Christian, to look at your options. That's what Jesus said, right? You count the cost. And so that's what the Hebrew writer today and throughout this series has been encouraging his readers to do. Count the cost. What is following Jesus worth to you? Because you can't go back into Judaism. That's obvious. You can't go back into the world for those uh, of the first century and for us that came out of the world. Because you can't go back there because there's nothing there either. So even though it's, it's painful here in Christ, he has the words of life. Where else can we go? And so we stay. We stick with him. During our hurt, during our pain, during our joy, during everything, we, we stick with him. And so in Hebrews chapter 8, God starts talking about this brand new covenant that he's, he's made with people. And it's not the first time he's talked about this, right? In fact, Hebrews 8 quotes Jeremiah 31. Back in the Old, Old Testament, uh, right, during the, right around the destruction of Jerusalem, Jeremiah is writing about 500 or so years before Jesus is born. Jeremiah is writing about this brand new covenant that God's going to make with his people. And he's saying it's not going to be written on tablets of stone anymore. It's going to be written on your, on your hearts. These are things that you're going to be. This is who you're going to be. It's not rules that you follow. It's who you are. And it's whose you are. And so uh, Hebrews 8 is all about this new covenant. Hebrews 9 and 10 talk to you about what that new covenant's going to be like. You ever done something new and thought, I don't know what that's going to be like, you know? We took, uh, we took our, our family to Fried Hardman's lectureship. And it's been long enough now since COVID, thank you to COVID, that we haven't been, um, that our kids had forgotten what it was like. And so we, we kind of had to review what, it, what was going to happen there. You, you ever done that, done something completely new and like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like. And so I'm, I'm a little nervous or uh, I'm feeling some, some uh, trepidation there. That's what the Hebrew writer is going through in 8 and 9 and 10. He's talking about, oh, you don't know what this new covenant is going to be like. And so let me... Let me tell you. Let me give you some insight on what this new covenant is going to be like. If you look in Hebrews 9, uh, 1 through uh, 10, 
He says a little bit, the first thing, about what this new covenant is going to be like. We covered that a couple of weeks ago. But basically, he says this new covenant gives you unfettered access to God. That's kind of what we've been looking for, isn't it? Remember, in Judaism, you can't get to God from Judaism anymore. It doesn't work. He's cut down the bridge. And so, he says, you want unfettered access to God, right? We're not, we're not like the Jewish people when they first met him on Mount Sinai and there was thunders and lightnings and they were terrified. And what did they say? Do you remember? Well, you go up, Moses, and you tell us what he has to say because we're scared. We, we, don't, we don't want to be close to him. No, no, no. In the Christian church, in, 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 uh, in our generation, we want to be close to him. Just as close as I can get. That's what I want. Just as close as I can get. Under that old law, he said, if you see me, what? You die. Why is that? Because we're evil and he's not. And he can't be around sin. Evil, wicked people. He can't be around us. And so he had to find a way to make us pure. And how, what is that way? It's Jesus' way. Jesus said in John 10 that he's the, he's the door, right? You get to the Father through Jesus. So how do you get unfettered access to God? You've got to go through the door. You've got to get through, through Jesus. He's the bridge between us and God. He makes access to God. Awesome. That's, that's one of the things that he's trying to get across to us in, in Hebrews 9, 1 through 10. Is that now you have unrestricted access to the Father. Which, if you've ever lived under a system where you had restricted access to the Father, most of us haven't. But if you had, and if you understand what they were going through in the Old Testament with this restrictive access to God, this unrestricted access is all the more sweeter. Illustrate very quickly, and then we'll get into our text this morning. If you were the high priest in Israel, you got to go into God's presence one time a year. You remember this from Hebrews 9, 1 and 10? 1 through 10? Um, you would go into the holy place, and you would go through the holy place, walk through it. It's not a large uh, room. You would go through the holy place, and, and inside the holy place, there was a curtain. It's a thick, big curtain from floor to ceiling, and it's deep. You can't see through it. Light doesn't come through it. You know, you got those room darkening shades in your house. This is not that. This is a thick, thick curtain that you, you kind of got to push through to get through to it. And when you push through it as the high priest, you were the only one who could touch the curtain. You, you can't go through the curtain if you're just a regular priest. But if you're the high priest, then you push through the curtain and you stick your hand in. You know why? Because your hand is holding a sensor. In the sensor is smoke. The smoke would billow out through the most holy place where God's presence lived. And the smoke was to shield him from you, to shield you from him. Because, again, he's righteous and we're not. And so, well, at least the, the Old Testament Jewish system was not and could not make them righteous. And so they needed a shield. That's what the smoke was. In fact, it's very dark in that room, too. And so they had restricted access to God. In fact, if you were the high priest and you, you walk through, you'd probably feel a tug on your leg, 
legend has it, we, we don't know this from scripture, but lore tells us that, uh, that they would have tied a rope to the high priest's leg in case he has done something that offends God and he didn't know it and God strikes him dead when he walks into the most holy place, then they could pull him out with using the rope. Otherwise, they would just have to leave his body in there until the next year when the new high priest comes in and drags his body out, hoping that the same fate doesn't befall him. Restricted access. You see it? Hebrews 9, 1 through 10 says, We have unrestricted access to the Father because Jesus has gone into the most holy place in heaven and has granted us that access. That's one facet of this new covenant that makes it so much better, so much sweeter than the old covenant. All right, let's get into our text this morning. Hebrews 9, uh, verse 11 through 14. So Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places. Stop right there, maybe, because there's four things I think you need to see from this text. Under Jesus' covenant, we have a better sanctuary. We have a better sanctuary. All four of these things are better. Hebrews is the book of better things, and so... These four things are, are going to be labeled like that. We have a better sanctuary. So what's our sanctuary now? Well, it's not made with hands. What, what sanctuary was made with hands? Do you remember that? What, what sanctuary in the Old Testament was made with hands? It was made of, of, of originally the tabernacle, right? was made of, of a variety of different skins and, and fabrics Right, But what happened to the tabernacle? We don't really know, right? When the temple was built, they kind of put the tabernacle to the side and we're left to assume that what happened it is what happens to, to all fabrics and animal skins. It, it decayed and it went back into the ground, right? That's kind of the problem with things that are made with human hands is they can decay, right? Jesus in Matthew 6 reminds us that you don't, you don't lay up your treasures on earth where what? Moth and rust and de- can decay. The same thing has happened to, to the tabernacle, right? That, that first sanctuary where God's presence lived. He says, this thing was just made with human hands. You guys built it and now it's, it's gone. It's decayed. Well, what about the second one, the temple, right? Solomon's temple was one of the ancient wonders of the world. It's incredible. And, I mean, just, like think the national debt could not have paid to build Solomon's temple. It wouldn't have even been close. This thing was opulent in the extreme. In fact, uh, Solomon builds it somewhere around uh, 950 B.C. And for the next almost 400 years, they are going to pull off the gold that Solomon put on the temple and give it as tribute to various kings to appease them. That's how much gold there is in the temple. Just, I mean, the, whole, the walls were inlaid with, we have drywall, thankfully, now that we don't have to lay gold <laughs> on our walls. That's what they did. They, they laid gold along the walls. This place is opulent. Why was it so opulent? Because God's presence lived there and he deserves the absolute best, right? The best we can offer the most priceless and precious things that we can offer are built into 
this sanctuary because His presence lives there. It, it deserves everything. Everything we can offer, certainly, right? What happened to that temple? Well, the Babylonians destroyed it. And they carted off what was left of the gold. And they tore apart the walls. And they burned it in 586 B.C. And it was gone. That's okay. Because in 516 B.C., uh, the Jewish people are going to come back out of Babylonian exile and they're going to build a brand new temple. This one, some of the old guys that were still alive in 516 were young guys back in 586 BC and they remembered what the original temple looks like. And so they look at this temple and they, Haggai and Zechariah, the prophets that uh, motivate the people to rebuild the temple, let us in on this little information. The old guys uh, in 516 BC look back at, the, at God's new temple and think, this is a disgrace. This thing, it's like, it's like God's living in a cabin, like a, like a woodshed. He's living in the woodshed. And you guys just kind of got a little lean-to up there, and that's where you put God. That's what they say. Fast forward to the first century. Herod has, has expanded on the temple, uh, and now it, too, is, is quite large, and you can still see part of it. The western wall still stands today. But guess what happens in it, not too many years, I, would, I think just a few years, maybe five or six years after Hebrews is written, guess what happens to that temple? It's destroyed by the Romans in the exact same way that the Babylonians destroyed the first temple. And so there's a problem with these sanctuaries that are made with hands, right? They're fallible. They're fragile. Because we can't, we can't do anything that lasts. We can't build anything that's forever. But that's what the Hebrew writer says. He says, you, you don't have to depend on you because God's done something now. In fact, he's brought uh, Jesus into this, this new sanctuary. And it's not made with hands. And it's not made out of this creation. And so we have a better sanctuary. One that's forever. One that's dependable. Nobody can get a hold of this thing and hurt it. It's heaven. It's outside the reach of, of people. And it doesn't matter your ire or your angry or, or, or your hatred of God. You can't reach to this place. You can't affect it. It affects you. And so it's a better sanctuary. Look on, look on down. Verse 12, Hebrews 9, verse 12, he says, He entered, obviously Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. We have a better atonement. Not only do we have a better sanctuary, right? But we have a better atonement as well. Jesus' sacrifice was enough one time, one death was enough. If you remember from the Old Testament, if you ever, how many guys read through the Bible in a year and you read through Leviticus and that's like in February and you, you get bogged down in Leviticus and you think, oh, Leviticus is hard, <laughs> right? Leviticus is where you find all these rules. And while it is hard, there's some things there that you probably need to see. My advice would be to start in the New Testament though. <laughs> uh, if you're going to read through the Bible in a year, that way you don't get bogged down in the, sec in the second book. Uh, wait till December to get bogged down in Leviticus. But uh, you find all these laws in, in Leviticus, and one of the laws that you'll find is, well, how do you provide atonement? How does God provide atonement for your sins? 
Well, it demands blood. Well, what kind of blood? The blood of animals, right? And it has to happen multiple times every day. In fact, when they dedicated the temple, Solomon brought something like a thousand different offerings before God. Every day there was a new offering for sin because people sin every day. And so there was a continual need for offerings, more animals, more blood. The Hebrew writer says Jesus' one-time sacrifice was sufficient. It was enough. We'll, get, we'll talk more about that in just a second. That's one of the reasons uh, in Galatians 5, when uh, some of the Jewish folks are, again, kind of putting the screws to the Christians. They're, they're trying to drag them back into Judaism. They're trying to make it hard enough for them as Christians that they'll come back into Judaism, or at least adhere to some of the Mosaical law specifically that of circumcision. Paul looks at them and says, you say baptism is not sufficient for salvation. You're saying Jesus' death wasn't enough. Well, how does Paul feel about that? Go back and read Galatians 5.12 sometime. He looks at these guys and says, you think baptism isn't enough, Jesus' salvation isn't enough, and so you add in into the equation Jesus and circumcision. He says, I wish you'd just keep on cutting you know, go ahead and emasculate yourselves and, and just keep on going. Paul will not have any of that. Jesus' one-time sacrifice was enough. It was sufficient. You don't need anything else. There's nothing else in that equation. Jesus, enough. It's sufficient. So you've got a better sanctuary. You've got a better atonement. You've also got a better blood sacrifice. Listen to what else he says. Uh, here he is bought our salvation with his blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but with his blood. So what makes Jesus' blood so much more effective? So much better than that of bulls and goats? Well, it was voluntary. One of the things that makes it better was that it was voluntary. Animals didn't have a choice in the matter. Now, if you flip back over to hold your place in Romans or Hebrews 9 and flip over to John chapter 10. Let me show you this first real quick. John chapter 10. One of the things that makes Jesus' sacrifice so much better than that of bulls and goats, any animal, was that it was voluntary. This is what he says in John 10, verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This was a voluntary thing. He did this on purpose. He went to the cross on purpose. It was intentional. That's why he was born. He had a mission, right? He goes to the cross on purpose. It was voluntary. The blood of bulls and goats, the blood of animals wasn't voluntary. They didn't have a choice in the matter. They were just led uh, to, to the sacrifice. Also, flip back over to Isaiah 53. You need to see this as well. You need to make this connection in our minds. Isaiah 53, verse 10. Not only was it voluntary, but he was a blemishless sacrifice 
uh, it, was, it was perfectly in line with the Father's will. Isaiah 53, verse 10. Let's listen to what he says. Yet it was the will of the Lord. Lord there is in all caps. And so translate in your head, Yahweh. That's, this is his covenantal name. Yet it was the will of Yahweh to crush him. He, was, he has put him to grief. Right? This is something God did. It wasn't just Jesus' idea. This is, this is the Godhead. They, they are in agreement here. This is what the Father wanted. And so it's what has happened. And so we have a, ble- a better blood sacrifice. It's kind of interesting, though, that, that human, uh, um, human sacrifice has always been abhorrent to God. If you remember some of our kings in the Old Testament that we've been talking about over the last several weeks on Sunday nights, uh, our latest one uh, was a guy named Ahaz, and he sacrificed his sons to a god named Molech, and he was condemned wholeheartedly for it. And, and that happens throughout the Old Testament as certain kings rise up and they, they involve themselves in child sacrifice and human sacrifice, and God condemns it every time, outright. It, it is despicable, abominable. He can't stand it. And so why, why now? Why, why human sacrifice? Why is it okay now, well, Jesus was, was without blemish. Animals that were sacrificed to God were supposed to be without blemish as well, right? The problem was they couldn't sin. Animals don't have a moral conscience. They, they could not sin. And so they, they fall short. While they are, were supposed to be perfect... Uh, not not spotted or blind or lame in any way. They were supposed to be the best. They couldn't sin. And so their sacrifice wasn't sufficient. It fell short. But then on the other side of this, you have people who are willingly dying for Christ, martyrs. Die for Christ. What's the problem with them? Well, their sacrifice isn't sufficient either. Well, why not? Because they have sin. You see, this, this animal sacrifices weren't sufficient because they could not sin and martyrs sacrifices aren't sufficient because they do have sin you needed someone to be able to choose right over wrong to choose Yahweh over themselves do it voluntarily and do it throughout life that sacrifice was the only one that would be sufficient So you've got a better sanctuary, you've got a better atonement, you've got a better sacrifice, you've also got a better cleansing. Check out what he says in verse 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's a lot in there, right? A lot of Levitical terms. And sometimes our brains kind of shut down on the, on the Levitical terms. And so let's, let's walk through it very quickly. I want you to look at one specific phrase in there. The ashes of a heifer. What in the world, right? What, what's the Hebrew writer trying to get across when he draws our attention to the ashes of a heifer? Underline that. Under, underline that phrase and mark down Numbers chapter 19. Not, uh, 1 through 10. Numbers 19, 1 through 10 is the reference that he's making there in Hebrews chapter 9. 
So what's it go to? What's he talking about? Well, if let's go, let's just go look at it. Numbers chapter 19, very quickly. Numbers chapter 19, let's start, uh, in, start in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer without defect, in which there's no blemish. There's, there's our, our word again, no blemish. And on which a yoke has never come, so he's never carried a burden. And you shall give it to Eleazar the priest, and it shall be taken outside the camp and slaughtered before him. And Eleazar the priest shall take some of his blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times. Let's skip down to verse 13. This is why you do that. This is why the, the, the heifer has to die. Verse 13, it says, Whoever touches a dead person, the body of anyone who has died, and does not cleanse himself, defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from Israel because the water of impurity was not thrown in him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is still on him. So here's the picture. Back to Hebrews chapter 9. If you touched a dead body, you were ceremonially, your body was unclean, right? And so what are you going to do about that? Because you can't go into the temple to worship. You can't go before God to worship. And so what are you going to do? Well, he's provided a method of cleansing your body. It involves this, this, uh, this red heifer. Uh, and there's the method and all that stuff you can find in Numbers 19. But what our Hebrew writer is so inter- interested in is the distinction that he's making. The blood of bulls and goats and, and heifers... <laughs> Cows cleansed the body, but they could never touch the conscience. This is only an external thing. We need an internal cleansing. The problem's inside of us. It's not outside. Remember what Jesus uh, told Peter in John 13, when Peter wants, uh, he doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. Jesus has humbled himself washing all the disciples' feet. He finally gets around the circle to Peter, and Peter says, no, you are not washing my feet. He doesn't have a very good grasp on who Jesus is just yet, but he knows he's special, and he knows it's not appropriate for whoever Jesus is to be washing Peter's feet. And so he says, you're not washing my feet, Lord. You're not going to humble me to that point. You know, like I, I don't want you washing my feet. That's not an appropriate spot for you to be. And so Jesus says, well, if, you don't, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't, you're not part of what, what I'm trying to do here in the kingdom. And so what does Peter say? Well, not just my feet, but my head, my hands, my whole body. And Jesus says something really interesting after Peter's statement there. He says, those who have been washed don't need a bath, right? What Jesus was doing is cleansing the inside. That was something the blood of bulls and goats could never do. It cleansed. Ceremonially so, the outside, the external. You find that here in Hebrews 9, verse 13. He says, For the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a, of a heifer sanctify for what reason? For the purification of what? The soul? No. For the purification of the flesh. It's only an external thing. 
And so we've been given a better cleansing because Jesus cleanses what's going on inside of us. I've kind of struggled with how to illustrate why you should care, why we should care that Jesus' sacrifice was one time. I don't think we grab a hold of why that's so significant and so special. Let me illustrate it like this. Um, a couple nights ago, I was, I was eating a cupcake. You know, we celebrated Valentine's Day like everybody else. We got cupcakes. <laughs> and they were, unfortunately for me, red cupcakes. I was wearing a white shirt. And you know what happens? Just like it does every time you eat a red cupcake or any kind of cupcake for me, some of the icing got on my white shirt, and I didn't. It's, and there's a big stain there now. Probably never be able to wear it again. It'd be like going down to the river with some washing detergent and trying to rub that stain out, and it doesn't come right. It doesn't come out. You think, well, well that's a problem because what am I going to do now? I'm just going to have to wash it every day, right? Like the the blood, the sacrifices were made. He said, well, I want to go back down to the, to the river every day and wash out my favorite shirt. It's not going to work. The stain's not going to come out. Well, how am I going to get the stain out then? Ah, I'll stick it in the washing machine, right? What's the problem with that? Washing machine's not going to get it out either. Need a new shirt, right? You need something different. That's what he's saying uh, in Hebrews 9, with this, this idea of a better cleansing, our problem didn't involve touching dead bodies. Our problem involves sin, right? It's the one thing that we could not deal with. We couldn't overcome it. We couldn't cleanse ourselves from it. We couldn't get it outside of us. So he had to do it. That's what he's saying in Hebrews 9. That's one of the reasons why Jesus' one-time sacrifice is better. It, it's not so important that it doesn't have to be made every day. That's not, the, that's not the, the linchpin. That's not the important factor here, necessarily. The important factor is one time was all it took to cleanse us of sin. It got the stain out. These, this blood of bulls and goats was kind of like taking your your shirt down to the river and trying to wash it out or stick it in the wash machine. Never really worked. And if it did, it only worked for the outside. But he's saying here, Jesus washes the inside. It's an internal thing. He takes care of your deepest need. Your truest, biggest need. Sin. And in his kingdom, it doesn't exist. Isn't that phenomenal? Beginning to see why this kingdom is so much better. Why the Hebrew writer is so excited about announcing this new kingdom. Of walking his readers through this new kingdom. And why going back into Judaism is the most foolish thing possible. You're beginning to see why we need to adhere more and more closely to Christ. Because of the sacrifice that's been given for us, ought to ingratiate us to Him. His generosity toward us ought to drag us to Him. He's done something for you you could not do for yourself. It wouldn't matter how many times you took a bath, you couldn't get sin off of you. And I couldn't get it off me.
but a one-time, voluntary, blemishless sacrifice that was in line with the will of the Father did that for us. If you're not inside of Christ today, the sacrifice isn't yours. You're still being held accountable for your sins. You're not in the kingdom yet. And so the things that, that the Hebrew writer is talking to us about, this unrestricted access to God, this, this better cleansing that's possible, this covering over of the intentional sins that we talked about, about a couple of weeks ago, no, that's true for you. You're, you're on the out. You're still being held accountable for your sins. The only way to solve that is to, through obedience. You obey Christ in baptism, having your sins washed away. And he gives you a brand new heart, one that longs for him. It's kind of incredible, right? Maybe you've already made that decision, and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be in line with what he wants you to be. It's hard living here, right? It's hard being close to him. It's hard seeing our sin for what it is. And we see that most readily when we're closest to him, right? The closer we get to him, the more easily it is to see our sin. And so it can be difficult to get close to him, to stay close to him. So if you're struggling this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, Chris, great lesson. Uh, if you're visiting with us, please take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you so that way we can have record of your attendance. That would be greatly appreciated, and you can stick it inside the uh, donation box in the back. Um, as a reminder, Chris mentioned earlier that uh, this Sunday at 4 o'clock will be our third Sunday singing. Um, if you can take a moment to uh, put your favorite song out on the, the easel, out in the foyer, put the, uh, the, the song name and the number, uh, so that way the song leaders can uh, uh, prepare for that uh, tonight at 4 o'clock. Also, CYC is this weekend. We have a total of 18 people going to CYC. Uh, Gatlinburg is a Christian Youth Conference. Um, we will be leaving at 9 o'clock in the morning um, and be here at 9 o'clock in the morning. We're hitting the road at 9.30. And we are planning on doing a prayer before we leave. Uh, so uh, keep us in your prayers as we travel to CYC um, this weekend. Also, men's retreat is scheduled for March 18th through the 19th at Howe's Mill. Uh, please sign up as soon as possible for this so that way we can have a record of you uh, going to this. Uh, we can prepare food. Also, that we know if you're going to spend the night or not. Um, but the last day you can sign up for that. Um, it's not really the last day, but we encourage you to sign up by the 13th, so that way we can plan accordingly. Um, also, remember to keep our elders in your prayers as they make uh, decisions for the congregation. Uh, they have decided uh, to hire uh, new deacons here at Rome. Uh, two great men, Dickie Parker and Greg Sullivan, um, are considered for new deacons for the church. Um, if you have any uh, concern about these two gentlemen, uh, please see the elders by this Wednesday. Um, by this Wednesday. Also, updates on our prayer list. Uh, remember, continue to keep Marvin Jordan in your prayers. As mentioned earlier, he is at home, which is great news. Um, but uh, he is he's walking uh, with aid of a walker right now. And um, But just keep uh, him in your prayers as he gets his strength back. Um, Sue Powell has surgery, eye surgery, on her second eye this Wednesday. So keep her in your prayers that the surgery it will be successful. Um, also, Martha Boso, that's Ryan's wife, is having surgery this Tuesday. So keep Martha in your prayers. As mentioned earlier, uh, Jennifer Baker um, has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, keep her in your prayers. Keep the, uh, Casey in your prayers and the rest of the family as they go through treatments uh, this coming week. Um, also, remember, continue to keep Kristen and James and that family in your daily prayers. And also, um, keep me in your prayers. I have uh, a CT scan of my stomach and in my head. I would ask for, not to, uh, for them not to find anything in my head, but that's just kind of weird to ask for them not to find anything in my head. But um, I don't know what else to say. But... Uh, but I have some test results uh, this weekend as well, and keep me in your prayers. Don't forget to grab a bulletin on your way out. We have so many others on our prayer list and so many other activities we'd love for you to get involved with. Um, uh, please continue to sit down. Uh, Casey will come up at this time, or Jerry, are you coming up again? Okay, Jerry's coming up again, and then we'll have a closing song and prayer. Uh, closing song, let's do song. 
right? I'm, I'm doing this right, Jerry? Okay. Our last song is on the overhead only. Uh, Sanctuary, actually, if you would, uh, you know what, stay seated. You don't need to, or stand up if you want to. Stand up. <laughs> stand up so sing Sanctuary. David threw me off. <laughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful to have been given this opportunity to have gathered again this morning to learn more of your word and praise you. We ask that you be with all those that have been mentioned this morning that are dealing with sickness or illness or loss. We ask that you be with everyone as they leave here and make their way home and make it back this evening. In your son's name, amen. <laughs> 